the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Guy, we're back with more End Time Insights, continuing on the topic of the wrath of God. Wrath, W-R-A-T-H. I should come up with an acrostic for that, but I hadn't thought about it yet till just now. I don't have time to do it. So we have spoken about the three Greek words for wrath in the New Testament. One was orige, and that is the one that's referenced in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, it's an anger, they're all anger, but it's an anger in the sense of a settled anger that is slowly seething inwardly with the view of taking revenge. Orge is a less sudden manifestation of anger than the other Greek words. Thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S, I'm just reviewing from last week, that's an anger also, but it's more sudden and spontaneous. It's a hot anger, a passionate display of anger that comes and goes once it's spent and then perorgismos means to arouse someone to wrath, to provoke to wrath, to incite to wrath. Orge is the word that's used in Romans one eighteen, and it means justifiable abhorrence. It means punishment, indignation. It means vengeance. That's nasty, and that's what we are currently experiencing in America because we have chosen to go our own way. We don't want God. We don't care for what he says. We don't want to know him, and that's where we are. You know, people talk about the fact, I remember my brother, when he was alive, when he he first moved down to Houston from New York, and we were talking about Christ, and he says, well, I don't understand why man is judged according to Adam's sin. And it was a good, valid question, and I've heard it several times since then. But at the end of the day, my response was, well, you've made the same judgment that he has, Rick. What do you mean? Well, have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Well, no. Oh, he was Catholic. It may have been, well, I, I, you know what I mean? So there really wasn't any relationship with God going on. I know. I grew up with him. He was my older brother. We played together. We had the same misconception that our religion could save us. You know, we didn't have that relationship with God. And so I says, well, until you have actually made a personal commitment to know God, to receive what Christ has done for you, until you've made that personal choice on your own, not at water baptism when you were eight days old, until you've made that personal commitment, you are guilty of the same sin as Adam, and you were being judged for that. So that was a good way of doing it, you know, because the Bible says that all creation is evidenced of God, that he's placed within us, in Romans 1, he's placed within us a knowledge of who he is, a knowledge of his power and a knowledge of his authority, his lordship. And... Don't get this wrong now. You don't need the gospel to get to heaven. You just need to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. What the gospel does is 
the gospel fleshes out that innate knowledge that man is born with, and it explains your need for the Messiah. It explains that you are a sinner. But that's no excuse because man is born with the knowledge of God. That's what I'm trying to say. Man is born with the knowledge of God. And so I praise God for the gospel. So our Father, God, he's perfect in all his ways and everything he does, whether he's loving us or hating us, whether it's under mercy and grace or whether it's his wrath, it is perfect and it is perfectly justified. You know, we challenge today God's ability to judge us, to exhibit wrath, to hate. You know, we we judge God and we think that, well, no, the God that we want to serve, the God that we preach. He's a God of love. He would never give up on anybody. He would never hate anybody. Well, that's not biblical. And we need to understand that God gets mad at us. I mean, all you need to do is look at uh, the flood, right? And God repented God that he made man. And God had to reestablish a covenant with Noah. And so that's what we're under today. And Christ came and he delivered us from the power of sin. And that's where we are today. And yet it still requires us to make a personal decision to know God, to know Christ. And we do that when we obey him. Amen. One key aspect of God, though, that goes unnoticed is that his wrath is here now. That's right. Now. We are the children of wrath if we haven't accepted Christ. Now. Today. That wrath is always here. Where unrighteousness and ungodliness is, there is the wrath of God. And it's so obvious that there's ungodliness and unrighteousness in America. So we're waiting. A lot of us thinking that, well, wrath only applies in the tribulation period. No, that's not true. Wrath is here now. Revelation 14, verses 9 through 10. This is the wrath in the tribulation period. It's rather nasty. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand, that same man shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. It's not diluted, saints. It's into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. This is a very specific warning to those who choose to take the mark of the beast and become his followers. And this is what we always think about wrath. that is, It's in the future. It's tribulation. It's not for us. But that's not true. It's at this time that the wrath of God will be completed. That's what he's saying. The wrath is poured out without mixture. It's not diluted by anything. Well, what can dilute wrath? Well, how about mercy? How about grace? None of those will be diluting the wrath. It will be without mixture. It will have devastating effects. This is the full wrath of God. This isn't storybook stuff. This isn't fantasy stuff, folks. This is reality. We have little idea of the seriousness of falling under God's wrath. If we truly understood it, we would be much more serious about God, and it would also make us a better, more passionate witness for Christ. Revelation 14, 9 and 10 speaks about the fullness of God's wrath, the undiluted pureness of his final wrath. Psalm 2 talks about what happens when the Lord's wrath is kindled just a little bit. So we start out in Psalm 2 at the beginning, as it were, about a little bit of wrath until we get to Revelation 14, where we talk about the fullness of God's wrath. But look at little wrath. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. You catch that? What does just a little bit of wrath of God do? Well, when a little of his wrath is kindled, people die. Who dies? The heathen die. 
Here, specifically, kings and judges, rulers and leaders die. They die en masse. Little wrath. That's what little wrath looks like. And we're talking in Revelation 14, 9 and 10 about the fullness of his wrath. You know, we need to start telling people the truth about God. On the one hand, his wrath is terribly destructive. Yet, remember the word most often used for wrath in the Greek, orge. It's not a quick, decisive kind of judgment that his wrath is. It's a slow, burning, simmering, long, patient waiting that gives us every chance for repentance. So on the one hand, you have people passing judgment on God for being harsh and cruel. Yet on the other hand, you have the victims of evil man's tyranny, of evil man's injustice, his bias, his hatred, his prejudices, his greed, and his misuse of power, begging God for such justice to be manifested. God's attributes are balanced in his divine perfection. John MacArthur says that they are perfectly balanced. If God did not have wrath and God did not have anger, then he would not be God. God is perfect in love on the one hand, and he is equally perfect in hatred on the other hand. Just as totally as he loves, so totally does he hate. As his love is unmixed, so is his hate unmixed. Of Christ, it says in Hebrews 1.9, and this verifies what MacArthur is saying, Thou hast loved righteousness, amen, and hated iniquity. There you have it right there, the two, north and south, east and west, right, the left from the right, both ends of the spectrum, love and hatred. He loves righteousness and he hates iniquity. That's the justice of a perfect God. And there is that perfect balance in the nature of God. As I mentioned, one of the tragedies, says MacArthur, of Christianity in our time is a failure to preach the hatred of God and the judgment of God. And I agree. Brother John is absolutely right. And he is further right when he calls it a tragedy. Let's look at the five types of wrath that God uses in dealing with disobedient mankind. Basically, who? The children of wrath. There are a number of different ways in which God expresses his displeasure with mankind as we identify them. Remember, man is already in the state of divine wrath because of his rejection of God, because of unrighteousness manifesting in our lives, because of ungodliness marking our behavior. We are already under the wrath of God. We are actually called the children of wrath. As we identify them, remember, man is already in this place. It's because we've rejected God, we've rejected his laws, we've rejected his person, and we've rejected his Messiah. He lives under the constant wrath of God in his daily existence. So let's take a look at these. There's five of them. First, there's eternal wrath. This will be the ultimate in wrath. It's man's permanent banishment from God's presence. That alone should get your attention. God says, you reject me here, I will allow you your will. That's the grace of of a free will being. It's also the curse. I will not force you to accept me, says the Lord. You don't want me, so be it. It's an eternal future apart from God in hell and then eventually the lake of fire. Perdition, a place where the worm dieth not and where the fire is never quenched. It's a place of torment where one never dies but is eternally perishing. We need to start preaching that. We don't want to hear that. I get it. Okay? It's not good news. And we're all about good news today. We're all about tolerance. We're all about love. Well, how about truth? You know, I would rather offend you now than have to answer for later why I did not tell you the truth. 
And the truth is, you will perish if you do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me explain to you about perishing. Perish. That doesn't mean dead. That doesn't mean death. It's not the end. Perishing is not dying and it's not annihilation. It's ongoing. It is living still, but you are living in a constant state of dying. Perish is a state of utter ruin. It means destruction, but not annihilation. And it has to do with that which is ruined and is no longer usable for its intended purpose. That's eternal wrath. When God says, enough, you abandon me, I will abandon you. You will have to pay the penalty for rejecting me. And that's called perishing. Hell, you don't die in hell. I'm sorry. You live forever in the state of dying. You know, what's worse than dying? Dying forever. (laughs) In our understanding, dying has an end. Well, not in hell. You are eternally suffering the pangs of death. That's eternal wrath, folks. And note, knowing this, seeing what's ahead for those who don't know Christ, who reject Christ, that has got to light a fire under us. That has got to light the fuse of passion on the preacher, on the pastor, on the teacher. It should be what fuels the evangelist daily. Understanding what's ahead for unregenerated mankind should cause our souls to bleed for the truth, to shrink from failing God. Notice the heart of Paul in Romans chapter 1. Romans 1.14, Paul says, I have a duty to perform and a debt to pay both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, basically to the cultured and to the uncultured, both to the wise and to the foolish. Paul saw preaching the preaching of the gospel, as a debt that he owed. That means he had something that belonged to another. He would pay that debt. Paul saw the preaching of the gospel as a duty. That means it was his job. He would perform it. Basically, what Paul is saying in these verses is that my heart aches to see you. Is that the heart of the current American pastor in today's pulpit? Are you a person with a soul that's hanging in the balance? Have you been rescued from the wrath of God by your pastor's preaching? If not, get out and find someone that will help you get saved. The second type of wrath, it's called eschatological wrath. That's the wrath that will come upon this earth prior to the second coming of Christ. It's outlined in the book of Revelation. If I may sum it up like this, it gets so bad and man's need becomes so dire that God literally empties out hell and brings it to earth in order to show unregenerate man what awaits him if he continues down his current path of rejecting God. God literally says, here's what your future looks like if you don't repent. In a sense, it's a prophetic wrath, a wrath we have been warned about already in Scripture. Uh, Let's look at Revelation 9, verses 1 through 6. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, God is about to open up the bottomless pit. He is about to bring hell. This is a place where the the demons that messed around with women, the demons that violated their, the, the angels that fell that messed around with women. This is where they are kept in the bottomless pit. This is their hell. And it is about to be emptied out and it's going to be brought to the earth. And he opened the bottomless pit. Who? The fifth angel that had a key and He opens it, he uses that key to open the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Verse 3, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, 
And unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men who have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. Verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. It's all terrible. It really is. But verse 6 sums up what we spoke about earlier when we were describing perishing as a state of eternal dying. Father God in his goodness still shows grace and mercy to mankind in the midst of this great wrath. Obviously, this is yet in the future. Lord willing, we will not witness this form of God's wrath. But verse 6 tells us men will wish to die and they won't be able to. That is a picture of perishing in hell. There is no relief there. Ever. We need to preach this stuff from our pulpits. False teaching says you don't scare people out of hell. Hmm, that's just not true in my opinion. Just like pain is a warning system from your body to your brain that something isn't right, so too is fear from your heart to your spirit. Something is off. Fix it. Now is the time to fix it, guys. And the only fix is repenting and accepting the love of God found only in Jesus Christ. Next up is going to be cataclysmic wrath. This wrath is when God supernaturally manifests his anger and displeasure through violent acts of judgment, which brings death and destruction nationally, even globally. The flood, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah, Pompeii, worldwide plagues that kill millions, uh, 9-11, how about COVID, hurricanes and storms, floods, wildfires today. These constantly speak to America about the mistakes we are making in our dealings with Israel, right? Katrina, a perfect example of what happens when America tries to force Israel into giving up the Holy Lands for peace. God sends judgments to get our attention. And there's another kind of wrath, which is called wrath, sowing and reaping wrath. Once more, John MacArthur speaks in address to this. He says, people say to me, John, do you think AIDS is the wrath of God? Absolutely. It is built in for the very human life which we live. Certain violations of God's law result in certain diseases. Guys, this isn't MacArthur. Now me, I'm reminded of alcoholism. Right? What happens? Well, you get liver disease when you drink too much, kidney disease. Uh, you smoke. You put smoke in your body. Duh. What happens? You get lung cancer. I mean, this is a form of the wrath of God for disobeying God and not treating your body as a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. It's built in for our lives, certain violations of God's law resulting in certain diseases. And when a man sins in the area of sexual conduct, he sins against his own body. Paul said that, and certainly that's an allusion to Paul's day of widespread venereal disease, which was rampant during Paul's lifetime. And whatsoever a man sows, what did Paul say? He's going to reap. That's the wrath, the sowing and reaping wrath. And once again, these are all wrath, angers of God upon us for our rebellious behavior. And then lastly, and I'm going to probably not finish this. I may finish this today, but I want to talk about the wrath of abandonment. And it concerns America today. And people doubt it. People don't think so. People reject the idea that we're actually under God's wrath of abandonment, which simply means God has abandoned us. You know, people say God would never give up on people. Well, really? 
Do you have any scripture for that? Well, God loves everybody. Well, no, he doesn't. That's not biblical. Okay, God hates the sinner. God hates those that uh, shed innocent blood. The abortion doctors, they are in big trouble. I'm telling you, man, you need to read the Bible. Put away what you think you know. Open up the Bible and learn what you should know. The wrath of abandonment, it's where we are today. It's the wrath that comes upon us when we tell God to leave, when we tell God to get out, when we fully and wholly and totally reject God's laws and his presence as a nation. He responds in kind. He leaves. He did it to mankind as a hole in the flood. Mankind, they were so depraved, so violent, so anti-God, anti-righteous, that they just went ahead and they put God to the test. Finally, God says, okay, enough is enough. It repented me that I have made man, and we have the flood. I mean, what further evidence do we need? We need to talk about the flood, because we are returning to the days of Noah and man's behavior. When we fully and when we wholly reject God, we have done that in America today. He responds in kind. He will leave. America is under the wrath of abandonment. He did it with Moab. He did it Ephraim. He did it with the nations when they rejected God's laws concerning holiness, concerning living godly lives. He's doing it today. We have kicked him out of America. We are kicking him out of the church. We won't talk about sin anymore. There is a hatred in America Not against sin. There is a hatred in America for talking about sin. Because we don't sin. We make mistakes. We miss the mark. But we're not sinners. Nah, we're good people. Joel Osteen talking about 98% of the people in in the world are good people. Well, that's not biblical. Vody Bakum talks about the fact that we think that the guy that's killing people in schools is evil. We think that... Uh, The guy in North Korea is evil. Those are bad people. Those are sinners. Those are evil people. We don't think that anything that's not of faith is sin. We don't understand God's standard. The church is not revealing God's standard for sin. And we need to recognize that, that we are all sinners. Everyone is a sinner. We can't let people get away lying about the state of man and God. Man is a sinner. Every man is a sinner. There is none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yes, God reaches a point when he turns his back and gives up on us. Romans 1, verses 18 through 27 talk about it, but I'm going to start in 21. Because that when they knew God, when they knew God, when they knew God, not if they knew God, I talked about this earlier, when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, unto birds, beasts, and creeping things. Verse 24, wherefore, for this reason, God gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies. God gave up on them. He gave up. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Because of this, God gave them up again unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 27. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts, one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was 
meat, talking about homosexuality, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up. He gave them over to a reprobate mind. He quit on them. They quit on God. They abandoned God. God responded in kind. Whatsoever a man shall sow, that shall he also reap. Three times, Romans, Paul is identifying the fact that because of man's wicked behavior, God has abandoned them. This behavior is wholesale in America. It's not the exception anymore. It's becoming the rule whereby we accept it and we get worse and worse and worse. Now we are struggling with the difference between a man and a woman. We're trying to remove that as a truth. And that's what the apostasy is all about. But for now, all you have to know is that you, or for me, or for anyone, it's still not too late. Today is the day of salvation. Don't be a child of wrath. Choose to become a child of God. Give Him your life. Repent of your sin. Join the family of God. Acknowledge your need for a Savior. His name is Jesus. He has already broken the power of sin over you. He has paid the penalty for all of your sin already by taking your sin upon Himself. Walk in the freedom and the grace that He offers. You won't find a better promise anywhere. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com